Welcome to the Western North London, where we're keeping the pressure on. I'm Caleb. And I'm Tim. How are you doing, Caleb? I'm doing all right. How about you? Uh, not too bad. Not too bad. I've had a good day off, watched some Champions League, enjoying the uh, the glow of two uh, two victories in a row. Uh, uh, yeah, it's a good day. Good, good. I feel I feel like I'm excited about talking about Arsenal here, but I, I feel some sadness creeping in because the season is just like it's just just disappearing on us. I know I do the uh, soccer schedule at work and I try and do it a you know a month or month and a half out and I started realizing that I'm running out of games to play at the bar. There's a there's definitely a dearth of soccer coming up which is a as you know is a sad sad thing going from six games a, a day to maybe one a day is a a tough time. Uh, yeah, it's it's never a fun part of the year to be thinking about the off season, but then things transition. We start thinking, we start dreaming about who we can go sign and all that. So, um, yeah, that transfer window will become the topic of conversation before too long. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure we'll get questions. I got a, a question from co-host Alex about, uh, the transfer or guest host Alex, I should say, not co-host Alex, uh, <laughs> about, a. Uh, transfer uh, talk uh, when he was at the bar the other day, and so yeah, it's it's fun to think. It's uh, that'll be uh, some fun topics over the uh, the off season mm-hmm, for sure. Okay, let's let's stay in the moment. Uh, mm-hmm. What what do you have to to drink this week? Well, I don't know where this beer came from, other than it was in our kind. Of, we have kind of a you know, free pile at work of uh, beers that get dropped off or beers that. Uh, you know, one of us is drinking and thinks everyone else should drink. So this beer is called Beer for Tacos. And it's by Off Color Brewing out of uh, Chicago, Illinois. <laughs> and it, I've kind of been say, holding on to this one because I don't know if I'm going to love it or absolutely hate it. It's a ghost style beer with lime juice and salt added which is kind of funny because you always add salt to brew- the brewing process, but we won't go into that. More, uh, more salt, extra more salt. More salt. And, you know, goes is, tends to have uh, added salt as well. So let's, let, let's see how this goes. Hmm. It's a summer beer. <laughs> <laughs> you know what it tastes like is... Uh, do you know those like salt lime candies you'd get from the ice cream? And maybe this is a SoCal thing, but like it really does remind me of like a, a salt lime candy or that, uh, that you can get the salt and you just like put it on your hand and lick it up. And it's like mostly it's, I mean, I guess it's like a, a rim of a tequila glass or a margarita glass. That's, that's what I'm getting. Hmm. Not a lot of, not a lot of beer for me out of this. It's a very flavored he- heavy, which isn't my favorite style, but it's, I mean, it's not awful. It's drinkable. I'll drink it. And I mean, it comes in at like 4.8%, which is about my style. Mm. Uh, again, I don't think I'd class, I wouldn't call it a, I mean, it is a beer obviously, but it isn't like what I would want out of a beer as far as flavor wise, but it's, it's fine. It's tasty. That sounds interesting. 
yeah, I mean, yeah, it's drinkable. I'm, yeah, you're getting the goes. Like, I see where they're going with it. Like, I, the flavors all match. It's in style. I get what it's doing, but it's a little too heavy-handed for my taste. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, the lime thing for me is only good in like a Mexican beer. Oh, I, I do. I do limes in a uh, in Rainier's all oh, the time. Yeah, yeah, that makes, same idea. Yeah, same thing. Yeah. Yeah, I call it like a you know a Cascadian uh, Mexican beer. It's a, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, with a, I I do like a lime in a beer. I you know how else am I going to get my vitamin C? But uh, yeah, yeah, shut that scurvy down. Exactly. In the summer, I love lime in a beer, but I'd rather add actual lime. I'm kind of questioning whether this is real lime or if it's just lime flavoring as well. But. Yeah. Uh, that reminds me, how, how is your, uh, um, why am I blanking the, what are you growing in your back? The hop, I guess it's bark. Oh, my hops. Yes. Your hop. Oh, my hops are going up like gangbusters. I think they grew two inches in two days. They I've actually got it now. It's a winding up around the, uh, the trellis. I'm, I'm pretty excited. I've got about four separate vines growing out of the rhizome right now. It's, it's. It's amazing because I have the opposite of whatever green thumb is. And usually I kill anything uh-huh. I try and grow. And this is just growing gangbusters. A little nervous about the neighbors. But because uh, <laughs> I uh-huh. think it's going to really overtake the, the, the fence. But uh, I'm I'm excited. Yeah, that'll that's be cool. going well. Yeah, it's, it's fun to see. Like, like it's literally grow, it's growing inches every day, which is just fun to see and watch. Nice. I'm excited for that. To, to come together. Um, I've got a beer that I picked up in uh, Bend this last weekend. Hmm. And uh, it's from Good Life, one of the local Bend breweries. And it's their uh, Descender IPA. And I haven't tried this one yet. I picked up a couple random beers just at the store on my way out of town. So uh, I, I've liked Good Life beers. Yeah, <clears throat> that is one of the better IPAs for sure. Yeah, I mean, for me, they're they're kind of a classic style of what an IPA should be. Yeah, I would I could drink a lot of that. Should have gotten <laughs> should have gotten more. Yeah, it seems like uh, exactly your alley as far as the ones I've remembered. Yeah, and it comes it in at seven um, percent, so one is is probably all I need. What kind of a IPA is it? Is it a West Coast hazy? Definitely a West Coast, um, which is definitely what I look for more. Um, I think the other one I did grab was a hazy because I wanted it. This one looked interesting, but um, yeah, I had to grab the Good Life one. I think we had talked about their IPAs being good in the past. So definitely want to make sure I, I, I think I'd had their stuff before, but couldn't, I couldn't remember if I had this Descender IPA before. Yeah. It's as I said, it's one of my one of my favorite IPAs out of there. They do some of my favorite IPAs, I should say. Mm, yeah, I didn't make it out to their brewery, but yeah, I, I will next time I go there for sure. Um, all right, let's move on. What do we have for the Timbit this week? 
Well, it's kind of continuing on with this beer conversation, which is uh, we just played Newcastle and we're going to get into that game a little bit. But uh, I think Newcastle has historically one of my favorite kits of all time, mm-hmm. which is the uh, classic uh, Newcastle kit with the Newcastle Brown Ale sponsor. I, I, I've just, I remember seeing that as a young kid and, you know, loving that jersey and you know buying newcastle brown ale because i knew that they were on the uh, the kit of uh, a team uh so my question to you is what beer sponsor would you have on an arsenal kit which uh which a uh, brewery would you like to have and would fit in with an arsenal kit hmm. which brewery and I'm looking not just your favorite too, but how the design looks with the kid and you know how would how would it all like fit together. <laughs> you really put me on the spot, you know. I like to do that. It stretches your mind together, it keeps you on your toes. <laughs> my old my old brain. Um Yeah, the uh the brewery. And we're are we talking like a big it yeah, could be design. anything. It could be anything beer related. Mm. Okay. I mean, if you wanted to have like a hop growing concern on there, I'd accept it. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to. I like. I trying to think of like a one that would really fit with the Arsenal identity. I'm trying. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not as easy as you might think. Yeah, I mean, I've played on a a, a team that was sponsored by Hellbent. Uh, brewing mm-hmm. down in seattle mm-hmm. and their their logo makes a great kit sponsor it looks really good i i, I actually wear the jersey all the time because i just love the uh the sponsor look on it the logo there i mean uh obviously menace brewing would look great on a soccer shirt in fact we do sponsor uh bellingham united and on their uh training jet kits nice um I'm try- I'm 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 not as familiar with like brand logos off the top of my head, so that's kind of hard to. I'm trying to imagine some that would look good. I mean, in, in front and center on a big team. Yeah, I mean, as I said, like don't necessarily worry about it being like the the size of the brewery matching the uh, the stature of the team. Just just no. I'm just aesthetics. trying to think of like yeah, the the logos and stuff that would look good. Um, but I, I'm, I don't know. I don't know a ton of brand logos. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking like structures brewing up here in in Bellingham would look great on that jersey because it has like kind of this metal like, and especially on those like kind of marbly red jersey, I think it would look good. But yeah. you could also you could also go like classic, and I would I would love to see a Fuller's the uh, the uh, London brewery kind of mid-major it's not a huge brewery but it, you know you can get their beer here and that would look good on the arsenal kit too mm-hmm. one that just came to mind because i was uh another brewery i was trying to go to and bend but um the crux fermentation mm. with the four arrows i do i do kind of think that would look nice on the that would look great because that's also another uh, logo that you wouldn't even necessarily have to put crux over. You could just have that logo. It's like a, a cross with the uh, end of the crosses being arrows on mm-hmm. it, right? Yep. Yeah, I kind of like that that idea. Yeah. Well, um, now, now I, I just want to go go back and just 
spend more time drinking beer. I didn't get to do that <laughs> nearly enough. I also think Anchor's team would look good on a jersey, but it, it'd probably be too colorful for the Arsenal jersey, I think. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to look up a couple other ones, but I do... Uh, doesn't... Um, Doesn't Rubens do some, they've done hmm. some sponsorships, haven't they? I think Rubens sponsored the Ballard team. Yeah. If I remember correctly, uh, Ballard FC and that, that like just that iconic R on a, a jersey would actually look really slick. Yeah, I do like that one. Ooh, I think we might have found the winner, Rubens. <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't be bad. Yeah. Or, or shoot, Rainier, just have the Rainier R. Hey. That looked pretty good because it's already red. Yeah, exactly. And you could do, you know, on third kits or you know change kits or things like that. You could have the full red R on there. Oh, okay, I'm into yeah. that. All right, that that wins. Right and here, it's Arsenal. <laughs> ah, I love it. <laughs> oh, it writes itself. There we go. Yeah, it took us a while, but we got around to it. Yep, Rubens or uh, Rainier for the win. <laughs> All right. Let's let's talk about this Newcastle game. Um, I how how much did you think about last last season going into this game? Far too much. Uh, uh-huh. I was definitely it was definitely eating it on my mind because I have a very specific specific memory of watching that game and seeing our Champions League uh, hopes crumble and. Uh, it's kind of funny because in a way we already had champions league sewn in the bag and you know, you know, the title is looking unlikely. So it was, there's a lot less jeopardy than last game, but still I I wanted to win the game a lot. And I was just very worried that after kind of these string of defeats and let down, despite the uh, Chelsea game that we might've fallen into that pattern. So I was, I was, I was feeling worried and that game was definitely playing on my mind and, Newcastle is a good team. They're third in the league for a reason. They have definitely improved since we played them last time. And so, yeah, it was definitely playing my mind. How about you? Yeah, I think um, more more than more so than thinking about last season. I was I was a little nervous about just what Newcastle would be this time around. You know, I just felt like they. Um, had given us a really tough time the last time we played them and ate up a ton of clock and were pretty frustrating. And um, I was really not looking forward to a game that was going to be similar to that. Yeah, exactly. And and the other kind of fear I was having is, you know, playing at St. James's Park. It's a, they're a well-supported team, have always been a well-supported team and it's a an atmosphere that especially if the team is playing well is, is hard to play in. And that was playing in my mind. So yeah, I, in some ways, like going into the game, I felt like they're a team that really matches up against our weaknesses really well. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense that, uh, they're a team that can take it really take our flair and finesse out of the game. And then it's just a grit match. And I do, yeah, I was thinking going into the game that they were, able to outgrit us you know <laughs> or at least create 
create a level of frustration that can dis dislodge, you know, just mm-hmm. distract our team. And that that was really the frustrating part about the last um, last time we played them was just not really finding that rhythm and feeling like they were, um, you know, steal trying to steal something. And I I, I didn't appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I feel like they are better, like on paper, they're a better team. They've been mm-hmm. playing as a better team. So why wouldn't you come and try to play, you know? And I mean, and to be fair to Newcastle, I think they are kind of transitioning into that, that, mm-hmm. that type of team. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, when we played them earlier in the season, they were still trying to find their feet in their, their identity and you know, I, I, it's almost a sign of respect how they played it <laughs> against us. Yeah. And I think, I think, you know, getting into this game, they definitely went for it more toe to toe and, and really gave us a game. But uh, yeah, it was, there was definitely that fear going into the game that, that it was going to be a very drudgy game. Yeah. And I, I didn't think they were going to be able to hold us to, um, you know, a, a similar scoreline, a, a nil-nil draw is is pretty grim. Um, mm-hmm. So it 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 felt like we had to come out and and prove that we were better than the the team that played them last time. And when you're when you're playing against the third place team, I think you you have to really show up and score some goals. Like they couldn't hope to play for a stalemate away from home here it was it was dire straits as far as keeping the pressure on man city you can't you can't risk a draw here so i think it was uh imperative that they they come out early and get a goal so that they didn't have to worry about that that uh draw hanging in the background you know that that they could put that last game behind them and, and kind of get get things going again especially when you're trying to build on a um, previous win, you just want to kind of keep that momentum going at this point in the season. We can't afford to let off at, at, with only three games to go. Well, and speaking of uh, coming out early, you know, getting into the game, once again, a team came at us very early, almost off of kickoff <laughs> and yeah. hit the bar. And we were very <laughs> lucky to not uh, concede in the first minute again. And uh, I'm trying to rack my brain about what it is about this Arsenal team that I, that teams feel and do come out early and get an extremely early within the first minute scoring opportunity. Do you are you seeing what it, what's going on in that? Because that's that's not normal. When you watch normal games, you don't have very often that uh, you know goal or in this case hitting the bar. Yeah, I, I'm I'm trying to replay it right now just to see, and and it's not like there was anything crazy, you know. Mm-hmm. They just they came at Arsenal with some pace, and there was too much too much space, you know. It was a an, another play that gets crossed over to Zinchenko's side, yeah. and I, I I think everybody's noticed he is. His, his his defending has fallen off a little bit or it's just like his his offensive side 
seems generally okay, but whatever it is when he's in defense, it seems like he's a little um, slack when it comes to being tight to players. Like in this case, it's just, he's, he's a step, he's a step off. He's in the wrong place. And positionally, he seems to be getting caught out a couple times a game. And um, I think he had a slip in this game. You know, there's just stuff that's like, he, he keeps getting, get, getting himself into compromising positions or letting stuff get by him that shouldn't. Um, so I'm not sure what to, uh, to say about this Zinchenko trend, but as far as the, the team trend, it, it just seems like they aren't turned on like from the kickoff. And I don't, I don't really get why it takes them, it, especially in this game. I felt like it took them 20 minutes to actually play their way into it. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, you know, coming to mind, it is all coming from that same side, the Zinchenko side. So maybe every team realizes there's a weakness there. Maybe they know or they're seeing that Zinchenko is either cheating in and not playing the correct position right at kickoff or because, I mean, as I remember, the the other goals came from that same side as well. Not that this was a goal, but maybe it's an identified weakness. And I just... I. If I'm seeing it as a fan, I can't imagine that Arteta isn't noticing this trend. Yeah. And I'm not just, sure what if it's a personnel issue or if it's, you know, like if it's something that he just needs to coach better. But I don't know why it hasn't been corrected already. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that, that was the first thing I noticed off of kickoff. And then, as you said, Newcastle came in hard and had, for the first 15 minutes, really the run of the game. And, you know, we can think, Ramsdale and the post for really keeping it nil nil. Yeah. And then not too long after that, I think it's only maybe five minutes later, there's a, um, a penalty call for <laughs> handball on Kivior. And, uh, this one goes to VAR and I'm still, still a little nervous when I see the replay at first, cause it's really tough to tell on the quick glance if this goes off of his hand or off of his leg first real time. I thought it was a handball. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. I, this is, you know, if I take my arsenal glasses off clear and obvious, is that a, a clear and obvious overturn for you? Like I, it's where these words get squishy. Cause there's no real definition to what clear and obvious means. Right. And Again, I'm, I mean, this is one time where I'm thankful for VAR. And we've gotten the calls the other way on VAR that uh, have not gone our way. So we've deserved this. But it, yeah, you know, I I think it hits his knees after watching it like 20 times, 40 times. I don't know how many times I've seen that play now. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure it's, it's coming off his knee, but... Yeah, I think the the order of of slow motion ripples seems to be leg first. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'll take I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> Do not get me wrong. I'll absolutely take it because I, I I think if Newcastle scores in that moment, it really shifts. I mean, the momentum of the game was already Newcastle's, but it really shifts the dynamic of the game. And Arsenal playing catch up. You know, we have played catch up in the past. But uh, the way Newcastle plays and the way and the uh, defensive ability of Newcastle, I think that game would have been a much more shut down game. 
Yeah, that it would have definitely changed the dynamics really early on because at that point, Arsenal really hadn't played their way into it. And I think it really would have put a damper on any momentum they were able to build. Um, like I said, it, it was, um, well, I guess Arsenal scored in, in the 13th minute. So yeah. that would have definitely been a more challenging scenario had things gone the other way. Um, but the momentum went our way instead. Mm-hmm. I mean, and and that go. What 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 more can we say about Odegaard? This is now the second, third week in a row where we're we're, we're singing this guy's praise. Mm-hmm. It's it, that that it reminds me of like you know I was watching the Champions League yesterday, and when you talk about De Bruyne, you give De Bruyne open space, he's going to score a goal. And I'm feeling that way with Odegaard at this point. That you know that 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 was the exact same idea. Is like you know. For whatever reason, Newcastle gave him a open shot to goal, and he just buried it. Yeah i i don't I don't know if that one. I mean that that was a questionable goal as far as how far out he was <laughs> to get that in. Like, good on him for getting getting that goal, but I would I would expect a little bit more from my keeper from that distance. Mm. Just I a little bit. It. But the thing is, is like when you're shooting from that far away, there's traffic going on. A, you're also not expecting a shot from out there. You're expecting your defense to close in. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a lot of other things. And I mean, at this point, I'm not going to question Pope because Eddie Pope had a, a great, great game against us. <laughs> and it could have been a lot more Arsenal goals if it weren't for Eddie Pope. So I think sure, the, the keeper could have done more, but it's... I, I always feel like a shot from that distance defender should be closing in and making it harder for him to make that shot. There should be someone in his area. Cause it, it just really feel or felt like when he got the ball, it kind of like the seas parted a little bit. And there was this, this like, you know, five meters of space around him that he was able to just kind of look up and see that, uh, gateway into the goal. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I was just looking at his stats once again, and that mm-hmm. 15 goal, seven assist season is pretty solid. And we've still got three games to go. Yeah. I mean, he's uh, tied uh, Fabregas for a number of goals from midfield. I think so. he's he, he can overtake De Bruyne for the record from a midfielder. So, Ooh. uh, I think De Bruyne is at 15 and Odegaard's at 15 right now. So one more and he takes the record. Yeah. So, I mean, he's having an outstanding season. It really goes to show how, how great of a signing that, that was. And I, he's 24 years old. I think he's got several more years in the tank, which is great. I think next year, I can only see him really continuing on from this form. Yeah, I'm imagining the 27-year-old Odegaard, if he's still with Arsenal, my God, he's going to be tough to beat. Yeah. Because, I mean, he already has it all. And, you know, you also saw the quotes from uh, Saka about, and Arteta about his leadership ability, which is something... It's That's something that's really hard, I think, from an outsider point of view to really see because he isn't the most vocal. You don't see him a lot in the press. You don't... He's not necessarily the player that, you know, you'll see on the pitch, you know, throwing his arms like Jaka does or really 
you know, telling the players, even Jorginho, you know, gets into it. But both Arteta and Saka said that his leadership has been something that's been very inspiring to him, to them towards the season. So it must be something going on in the locker room that really is uh, showing that side of him as well. And as a 24-year-old, it's it's a, a good thing to see. Yeah, and he had multiple chances in this game as well. And it's just he's able to create more for himself than I ever, ever expected, really. Yeah, and it's I mean it comes down to we've talked to this about this before of the uh the the multi-pronged attack of Arsenal where you know, you can keep Martinelli quiet and you can keep Sokka quiet, but then you have Odegaard to keep quiet and Jesus to keep quiet. Like it's a the more that you have multiple threats, the harder it is to actually find a defensive plan to 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 contain this team. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking at uh, goals and assists, uh, you got Kai Osaka at 24, Odegaard mm-hmm. 22, Xhaka 12, um, Martinelli 20, Jesus mm-hmm. 15. Like, they're producing multiple areas, and it's never down to one player to carry the load. They're popping up and backing each other, and I think there's there's some competition there. I mean, Saka's a little behind right now, but he's two, only two goals two goals off the pace set by Martinelli and Odegaard. But to have even four, you know, we have four players right now that are in double digit goal scoring season. That that's amazing. We haven't had that that sort of production in years from from so many different players. I mean, we were fairly reliant on like basically Lacazette or Aubameyang. Yeah. Uh, to to get our double digit goals and then it fell off from there and Saka started to creep up a little bit but he's only really turned it on in the last couple seasons and there was a bit there where it was like he hasn't he he hadn't quite clicked as far as the the goal scoring but um when these players aren't scoring they're pro- producing assists for each other and I, that that sort of interplay is really um been missing as well and i think if you add a couple more pieces into this there's it's going to be very very difficult for a team to come up with a game plan to shut every one of those avenues um down for arsenal exactly and you know as we've been saying you 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 put a few more pieces in in this team and it's going to be just so difficult for teams to really really shut them down and and this game, even the uh, the the second goal with uh, Martinelli, who I, I I think I've been a little critical of Martinelli the last few games. He's seemed a little quiet, but this game he was just uh, a, a nuisance mm-hmm. the whole game. And it, yeah, it was an own goal at the end of the day, but it was a a beautiful darting run that he made in. He really held off the defender, not by physical power, but by just him holding the ball and the fear of what he was going to do. And he put a cross in. And, you know, if you look at one angle, you could see that if uh, Shar hadn't knocked it in, Odegaard was just going to pounce on that ball and bury it. But uh, it's, uh, again, I think uh, Martinelli had just a a great game all game long. Yeah, it's unfortunate that um, it was was an own goal because I think Martinelli deserved all the credit for that to to really put it in a dangerous area and create something. out of very little there 
but he he just looked determined to make something happen and that's that's what he's been really good at is getting down to that end line and either putting himself in a dangerous position or making a good cross and his crossing's been a lot better as far as getting um getting the ball where it it forces decisions and that's this is exactly what you want to do to a defense is put them on their heels make sure that they have to make a tough decision or force a mistake and you know just thinking about it right now it popped in my head and i don't want to compare them both uh, the expectation of talent wise or personality wise but it does remind me of uh ronaldo at his first stint at uh man united when he was playing on the wing there that it's a, a player with uh, with great ball skill that it's just difficult to shut down and really causes trouble for the defense and, and, and really, I don't know, shapes how teams play against us. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and that's very, the way that he's able to stretch a defense and draw defenders toward him opens up that space for Saka or Odegaard to get on those into those crosses. So um, if, if he doesn't, if Shar doesn't make that block, like you said, Odegaard is is waiting. I mean, that was a it was an on target cross, and instead of letting it go through for an obvious goal, he had to do something, and uh, that's exactly where you want to put a team where they they can't no matter what decision they make it it it, it creates opportunities. Definitely. Uh, what did you think generally? I mean, we talked about the the, the two goals, but. In between that, definitely a lot of um, tough fouls. Like a lot, I, I felt like a lot was getting let go. Um, but we kind of knew that they were going to try to disrupt us as much as possible and and make it difficult. But do you did you feel like it was any better or any worse compared to the the first time we played them this season? I think the uh, the biggest difference, and I, I put this in our outline as shit housery, like. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, we're going to get the E on our uh, little the explicit <laughs> yeah. on the podcast for that. But uh, I, <laughs> I think the lesson we learned was if you can't beat them, join them. I think, mm-hmm. I think I, I, I do think it was very deliberate from Arsenal that, and that was a lesson we learned is that it was, there was so much of that tough foul, that time wasting that all the dark arts that Newcastle did in the first game, Arsenal was like, we we also can do that and you know Xhaka really was one of those players that if he wasn't playing for us i'd be throwing things at the tv at him like it was, <laughs> it, 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 but uh, when he's on your team and doing it and to a team like or a team newcastle who's has been very known for that this season it was a little bit of i don't know just desserts isn't the right word but a, a, a little bit of like you know Hey, we can do this too, mm-hmm. you know. And especially when we were the, we were up a goal, we just started really playing into that. Jesus was also excellent at some uh, shit housery this uh, this game. I think the referee was really letting things go, so we adapted. And I think sometimes to get results, you really need to 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 lean into that, and that's a a lesson for these players to learn. And it's it's nice to see that we have that in our wheelhouse as well. And I think, I don't know, maybe going forward, if we're playing a city, it's a lesson we can really uh, use to our advantage. Mm -hmm. 
Um, there's a couple questions that I wanted to ask you about this game. A couple mm-hmm. players I want to ask you about. Um, first off, I guess going on the granite granite Jaka, um, you, you know, one of the masters of the shit on the team and and kind of his own um, energy source when you're looking for <laughs> um, just just somebody to bring bring some some energy one way or the other to a game um he has been playing great he's he's the kind of player you definitely want on your team in this situation but do you feel like this is going to be his last season with arsenal or do you feel like they'll find a way to keep him around unfortunately i do feel like it's going to be his last season with us and i think in some ways it's 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 a good last season. I think he has a really good redemption arc with mm-hmm. with with us. I think uh, we've all moved past uh, that uh, the uh, the middle finger incident, and we've really seen really the best of him. And I think uh, you know one of the things he showed at this game is that he can really toe that line really well. And I think in previous seasons he crosses that 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 line of whatever whatever that line is to getting the red card mm-hmm. whereas this season he's really found where that line is so he just you know tippy toes up to it gets exactly to that line and do- isn't crossing it so uh, i appreciate him and i think you know we're finally playing him at his best position and he's showing the the player who he is would i like him to stay i actually would like him to stay i think he could play a part for arsenal I think in an ideal Arsenal team, he wouldn't be the everyday starter in that position. I think there are upgrades you can make in that position. But I just like just seeing kind of the 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 rumors, seeing what's been going, the news out of the team, and just even him being here. You know, he's the longest serving Arsenal player in the squad besides Holding, right? You know, uh, yeah. Uh, El Nenny, maybe? El Nenny, maybe. I'm trying to remember exactly, but uh, he's one of the elder statesmen and he's, mm-hmm. you know, he's done his time and he may, he may get pushed out. I mean, I think, it, as I said, in an ideal Arsenal lineup, he's not the everyday starter. He may want to get opportunities to be an everyday starter. And, and I think Ars- also, Arsenal is much more concentrated on the new Saka contract, the new Saliba contract, the, uh, uh, there's a, one other that I'm totally forgetting new contract that uh, they're much more interested in than re-signing Z- Xhaka. So, he, yeah, I, I, I do feel I'm just, you know, and this is also just the the vibe, as the kids say these days, that I'm getting from it, that uh, it's, it's his last season here. Mm-hmm. What about you? Yeah, I mean, he is still very useful. But, and I could see him staying because I think he signed through 2024. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think they want to let him go for a free. Mm-hmm. So I think you do cash in. I think he's it, he's got value still. And see, I think you, you have to cash in on him. Because it, rather than trying to ring out another season, I mean, he would be great for a Champions League run to have him. But if you're looking to reload and actually 
look, go to Champions League for season after season. You have to cash in on him and reinvest and, and put that money towards a younger player. Yeah, because that's the other thing is I don't see him getting a new contract. Mm-mm. And uh, so I think you're looking at that as, as you say, cashing in. And we do need to, I mean, for reloading to the Champions League, and I know we have a question about this later, so I don't want to get too too deep into it now. But uh, we we need some upgrades. And I think that position is a, a place where you could get a, an upgrade and a you know a younger player in there that is could do very similar things mm-hmm. it's a it's he does what he does is very 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 good and i'm not trying to sh- short sell him but it, he is his talents that he has are replaceable where you know you look at like a Saka or even you know a martinelli some of these other players their their skill set they have is very difficult to replace whereas i feel the skill set the jaka has is something that there are other players out there for a similar price mm-hmm. available yeah i think he could get he could potentially bring in 20 million mm-hmm. so it, it's worth it's worth getting that money back into the the coffers for for the inevitable re well not not rebuild. We'll call it an upgrade. Yeah. Because, I, I mean, I think he would thrive in Syria. I think, you know, getting him onto like an Inter Milan style midfield or, or something like that. He, he, you know, we saw earlier this or today, uh, Mc, the Therian doing amazing for, uh, for uh, Inter Milan in the Champions League. I, I think there are places for him, but he, he is a player that I think yeah, is 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 upgradable. Um, next, uh, I I got another question. Then, um, yeah. let's talk about party versus Jorginho. How have you how have you felt about Jorginho taking over that that position the last couple games? Oh, I mean, I I do believe I said it the last. I'm 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 kind of done with party. I. Mm. And I really do think uh, what we it was Jorginho. He's not a spring chicken, Jorginho either. He's you know a couple year step gap, but uh, I think he's an upgrade on party. I, I if I were pay, playing FIFA, I would be starting part or Jorginho over party every single time. I I like what he does. I, it's a different style. That's to be sure. I think there's a little bit less snap with the passes, maybe a little bit less uh, defensive work. But I think Jorginho is that tempo controlled, safe hands. He's, he's a, a El Nenny plus, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like a, a, yeah. that's the style that he, uh, he plays in my mind. And it's for me, that's exactly what I want in that position. So I, 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 I don't, if party stays, I don't see him getting a ton of starts. Yeah, I don't. I could. I feel like Jorginho or Party could leave, mm-hmm. and we would upgrade that position fairly easily. Uh, it's going to cost us. Mm-hmm. I think that's why we end up putting our bulk of our money isn't going to be into the the midfield um, to replace Shaka, Party, Jorginho, or some combination of those three players. 
Is uh, Jorginho, uh, was, did we get him on the last year of his contract? Um, I don't know how long they ended up signing him for. I guess I could look that up. Yeah, and these are things that I, as a better podcaster, I would look up before the show, but... Yeah. <laughs> Someday. But it, but I do see the Jorginho as as I as you look this up. I do see see him as a short term solution mm-hmm. to that. I think I think he's gone up in the pecking order. I think party for me is down there. I mean, like we don't even have to talk about Lakonga. I I I assume he still is alive, but I haven't heard hide nor hair of Lakonga in a while. No, uh, and so you have uh, Jorginho party who I'd be very willing to see the back of after this year and question mark. So it's, it's definitely the, you know, the two center midfield positions are something that uh, we'll be having to address. Has all that waffling given you time to get the contract? Oh, I'm so close. I'm so close. Uh, He's uh, right here. Okay. So he is, his contract expires end of next season. Yeah. So we got a, so He'll be on his final year. I don't know how much cashing in you could get on Jorginho. It's something. It maybe a case where you just run him down, run down his contract. He he is thirty one. He could he could potentially have gas in the tank for some other team, but I don't know if he's more valuable uh, to a team that needs some leadership. Well, and traditionally, thirty one is a year that if you're signing your contract at your year your when you're 31, it's your last big contract. It's your last money-making contract. Mm-hmm. So traditionally, you're going to ask for a lot of money, which I don't know if Arsenal is going to be willing to invest into Jorginho. Mm-hmm. It may be a case of a, a another team, even one that's lower down on the pecking order than us, that really just needs his services for the next couple of years, is willing to pay a premium for. Whereas... We're going to be, I, I think, maybe looking for a younger player or a much bigger player in that position. Yeah, I I think that's, yeah, just an, an area we drastically need to improve. Um, it, there's some decent players that we have currently, but as far as building for the future, we don't really have a lot of depth there. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So my last question that I had to bring up is have you thought much about Kivior in the last couple games? What I, what is your opinion on his play? I love Kivior. I think okay. he's 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 been solid, he's great. I <laughs> I really think there's no reason to start holding anymore. Yeah. And that's just uh, I think our, our, I, I do think our center back pairing in two years is going to be Kivyar and Saliba. I think. Oh, interesting. I think uh, Kivyar is just—he has everything. He has—he really does have the uh, the cool, the calmness. Even uh, with that penalty shout that happened early on in the uh, Newcastle game, he—he—it wasn't—it wasn't a handball, <laughs> and uh, he just. He has that eye test. When I look at him play, I'm, I feel calm. And it, I think, as we were talking about earlier or in a previous podcast, that when holding is in there, you can see a little bit of hesitancy from Ramsdale. He doesn't feel exactly secure, but with QVR in there, he he 
Ramsdale does feel secure. And I think the the rest of the team really does feel secure with him. So yeah, I'm, I think that was a very astute signing and we'll be talking more about him in, in the next couple of years. Do you think we should have started him sooner? I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. I think, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I love holding. I, but I think Kivyar is a better player. I think I, I do get not starting him for that Man City game because you know he's a young player and he's a new signing, and it, those are always fragile times. And it just takes one. I mean, look at uh, Maguire. It takes one or two bad games to get a reputation. Mm-hmm. And then when you get that reputation, it's really hard to shake. Right. I, I do think it's, it, it could be damaging to get him in there and have a, I mean, I think he's had some tough challenges since he's joined the team, but um, you can only take so much before it, it can affect you long-term. So you have to, as as a coach, he has to keep him out of, out of the line of fire a little bit so that he can learn, but also build his confidence rather than get shaken to the core every time he goes out there. Exactly. So I think it was it was really smart to wait till that Chelsea game, which, you know, Chelsea is a team on the ropes and, you know, doesn't have the same threats going forward that City mm-hmm. does. And then going into Newcastle, same, same idea. And, you know, now he's just building his confidence. I don't... I barring any other injuries as you see me knocking on wood very hard <laughs> uh barring any other injuries he's i think he it's his center back position for the end of the year at the very mm. least mm-hmm. uh last but not least what, what what do you make of newcastle now after this season um i feel like they've isaac looks looks solid they've got some pieces there and they're probably going to be a challenger going forward mm-hmm. and potentially and potentially a, a champions league rival for us. Definitely. I mean, Newcastle has some good, Isak was the, is the legit deal. I was on the bandwagon to signing him <laughs> very, uh, very early on. I mean, I, I know I'm biased and I see him on the Swedish national team all the time, but, Isak is the real deal. Uh, Gimarish, uh, their Brazilian midfielder that they signed earlier, is the real deal. Uh, they have in how a really good coach that is going to take them far. He's gotten them defensively solid. I believe they have the best defensive uh, record in the league. And he's building, taking that defensive platform, very similar to what Arteta did. Arteta. Arteta, Arteta did uh, uh, when he first started, which is shore up the defense and then use that as a platform to start creating the offense. Mm-hmm. And they're going to have a shit ton of money. We've already got the explicit thing on our thing, so I can swear <laughs> as much as I want. Uh, they already have a ton of money uh, and they're going to have a ton of money in the next window. Uh, yeah. It's no uh, coincidence. I think that they're in third place. They've, they've deserved everything they've gotten and it's only going to get better for them. And they're going to, you know, being in the champions league as we're going to experience in this transfer window means that there's a, a, a quality of player that isn't available if you're not in the champions league. And it seems like there's, they're 
following the city model of spending their money wisely, not being super stupid about how they spend their money. So yeah, I think going forward, you're going to see them and be in the conversation. I think who is pushing out, it's pushing out teams like Tottenham. It is pushing out teams like uh, United. You know, it's definitely going to put pressure on us in how we spend our money. There's really a top six, seven now that are all fighting. And some of these teams are going to have to, or are going to fall off because once you get off the, uh, the Champions League money, it's harder to replace that income. Oh, yeah. As and we've seen. As we've seen. It's no, no longer a top four, you know. When you know I first started watching, it was a top two, and uh, mm-hmm. it was a top four for 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 a long time. But I think the top four idea is is a, of a bygone, bygone era, and you have they're going to. It's it's not a flash in the pan what Newcastle is doing. So we're going to have to be uh, dealing with them for a couple years to come. Well, I've, we've seen that we can sell to them a little bit. So maybe that helps us. Yeah. <laughs> but um, they, they're they definitely going to put some pressure on. But at, as it stands, I, I, get, I could sense their frustration because they have, they have a great defensive um, record, but the, the goals have not come easy for them against us. Like they, we held them to uh, quite, we've held them to quite a few clean sheets and they, they seem to have a difficulty um just with our team in general. And when, when you look at what, what their, the gulf is between the top two and then that next mm-hmm. tier below there, there is still a little gap there, but I could definitely see a difference in what their, um, the, the completeness of their, their team there. You can tell that they have a vision and you look at a team like Tottenham and, and it's like, it's apples and oranges. Like they yeah. can't, it's hard to compare because their teams that, one team is going in the direction that, that they they have ambition and they have a clear picture of what they want to do. And then there's Tottenham, who seem to continually lose sight of what they're trying to do. Well, I mean, I think uh, Tottenham is, I mean, I know I'm biased, but I think Tottenham's <laughs> absolutely screwed the next couple of years because really what's kept Tottenham in these conversations was Harry Kane and son and, you know, Harry Kane moving on or getting older, they haven't found a replacement for him. Son seems to be going a little bit off the boil. I, you know, I think their peak was that champions league final that they made it to. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's going to be a hard reality and it's going to be really hard for them to get back in to these top positions. And, you know, how they've spent on their managers. They've, they've spent more on their managers. Like the amount of money they've spent on hiring and firing some of these managers could have been much better used reinvesting in the team. And you're just, you're, you're looking at that. And if I were a Tottenham fan, I'd be frightened of the next three years. Yeah. They got to figure out what their team is, but. I, I hope they continue to flounder yeah. for a bit longer. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not complaining about it at all. And yeah, I mean, I think you have teams, a team like Newcastle that's really hungry to take that, you know, fourth champions league spot. And if you're not 
spending your money wisely and and being in the conversation, you're going to be lapped very quickly. And I'm also looking Chelsea and Man United. I'm also looking their direction and going. It could be uh, interesting times. Yeah, it, Man United has a nice position in that they are they are currently in the Champions League spot, and they haven't gone ballistic on their. Um, their coach and, and totally started over yet, yet. <laughs> um but you know if they if they get top four they buy a lot of time and um tottenham is now in sixth place so whoever's coming in is, is certainly going to be doing the rebuild and then you've got liverpool who's probably pre-build i don't know they, i mean i, I could per- perennially in the mix but they had a down year so they could easily bounce back but they could also be um in in a, in a rebuild period that might take some time i mean I, I when i'm looking at liverpool i'm not seeing the same things i'm seeing out of tottenham chelsea and man united i think they're no. they they had an off year but they they still have the pieces they still have you know new players coming in regenerating and you look at the 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 end of the year i think you know, Liverpool has a very strong chance of finishing fifth or sixth this year and overtaking Tottenham and Man United, depending on how, how things things go. Yeah, they are a point behind United right now, but uh, United has a game in hand, so. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see, but it's a, it's the, the top is very crowded and more crowded than I think it's been in, in years, so. Yeah, it'll be. I think it'll be good for us if Chelsea and Tottenham are not in the mix for Champions League, and uh, you know that that puts us in a good position to kind of solidify our um, that that top four position for years to come. If we can if we can build on getting into Champions League and building the team that will keep us in that space, for sure. All right. We have a question on that yes. theme. Let's uh, let's see here from Jonathan K. Monilas. After what felt what really felt like a clash of titans, the City versus Real Madrid game, do you think Arsenal is up for the task of the Champions League next season? How do we feel in a group stage with Inter in it? How confident are we when we inevitably get Bayer in the round of sixteen? Yeah, I mean, I did watch that uh, City uh, Madrid game, and it was a fascinating game to watch. And when you you look at those two teams clashing and how even they are, the 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 names of the players, uh, I don't think Arsenal would have been as competitive as either of those teams were together. I think that is a uh, definitely the next step we have to take. The next step we're looking at. I don't think we're miles off it. I, it's going to be. I guess the answer to this question is dependent on what we bring into the team because I don't. I say I don't think we're miles off, and I think there are players on this team that are Champions League level. I just don't think the full team and the depth of the team is is ready for semifinals Champions League. You know, you you're looking at the. I mean, the funny thing is, I think on the the reverse side of that semifinal, I think they they would be competitive with the uh, Inter and AC Milan's of the world. I I would fear Bayern as they're con- constituted, 
not so much Barcelona right now because Barcelona's having an off off uh, session, but right now I, I feel that Arsenal would get out of their group probably and really struggle when they would hit one of the bigger teams. But uh, it really, you know, to me the answer is who can we bring in to just raise us to that next level? Um, I, you know, the final part of that question is I said, uh, I would not be confident facing Bayern in any round of the knockout stage. <laughs> no. Um, I think we, we have a, a starting 11 that can hang with the best teams in the premier league and hang with some of the best teams in the world. But what we lack is a starting 11 and a bench that can maintain a top four finish in the premier league and go decently far in the champions league. Like, I don't even know if we could have that next season. I feel like that building that depth, building that quality, um, it takes more, more time and money than we can muster in one window. I mean, I think even if you're trying to build a team that is going to have a decent champions league, campaign next season um it's going to be challenging to do but we have a lot of pieces so hopefully it's not like you're rebuilding you're just continuing to add to the layers of depth so that's hopefully not quite as challenging as what it took to get us to where we are now yeah i mean if we're uh and i'm sure we'll talk about this in the run-up to the next season but if you're you're talking about kind of my expectations for champions league next year it's to be competitive in the group stage and looking to get out of it. I don't necessarily even think that we have a team that could, you could say hands down would get out of the group stage. I mean, you look at how we performed in the Europa league and you know that there's, you know, once we started hitting the the tougher teams, we, we started uh, having some issues. Mm-hmm. And I think the Europa league is a very, good testing ground of, you know, most of those teams, once you get, once you get to the knockout stage are the teams that you're facing in the group stages of the champions league. And so it's my, as the team is currently uh, constructed, it's a tough slog getting out of the group ideally. Yeah. I think there's, there's definite areas we can improve on. And I think it's going to just take, um, take a little bit of turnover to get that those pieces just right. And I think it is just raising the level of the players that are available to you when we keep running into this wall just in a regular Premier League season where we can't get through the full season with our existing um, starting 11. I mean, you can't expect to do that really anyway, but the amount of uh, quality that we lose just by having a couple players go down you know, in this case being like a Tommy Asu and a Saliba, that it, it breaks our back. And that, mm-hmm. that can't happen because we just can't afford to drop out of Champions League. Like we can't be a one and one and done sort of uh situation. Like the goal is to get back there season after season like we used to have, but took for granted, I think. And now that we're uh out of it, we know once you have a taste of that that sweet, sweet Champions League <laughs> money it's hard to let it go. And so you have to really build smartly with the money that you have available 
to make sure that you have the quality to get you back there year after year. I mean, that being said, I would also throw out there that I think we're like maybe three to four pieces away from being at that at that level. And depending on how the next window goes, I could radically change my expectations. I'm just basing off what the team is now and how they are constituted now. But I don't think I don't think it's a far stretch and I don't think we're extremely far away from that, you know? Mm-hmm. I, th- I mean, as I say, like there are players all around. Like I think Ramsdale is Champions League quality, Saka is Champions League quality, Odegaard, Martinelli. There, there, there are a lot of pieces on there that are, you know. And when I say Champions League quality, just like any team in the Champions League would take those players and put them in their team. And I see a lot of players on our team that are are at that level. It's just getting. One or two pieces. I mean, I brought it up earlier, but it was really weird for me to see McTharian excel so well in the uh, the game today in the Champions League. He came on, he dominated that midfield, and <laughs> you know scored a, the second goal for uh, Milan or for uh, Inter. And he was a player that we had and <laughs> didn't perform for us. So it's also there might be a, a thing where the the stage will show some of these players too to be better than we thought. Yeah. But it, like you look at some of our depth that we have now and it's like, I don't know, like where does, where does a player like Emile Smith-Rowe fit into that? Where does uh, Reese Nelson fit into that? Like if you bring some of these players back and try to build out your, your depth with those players, uh, it feels like that's not good enough. Like I, I love Emil Smith Rowe and I want to see him develop into the player. I know he can be after that 10 goal season he had not so long ago, but it, it is, um, it's, it's, it's not as easy to develop players when, once you've moved past the Europa league level, it is a win or go home for the most part. You mm-hmm. can't, you can't throw in your youth team and hope to, uh, survive. So it, it is, it, it does require some quality that um, may mean we have to uh, get rid of some of our di- darlings a little bit. Yeah. I mean, and we, we talked about this last uh, episode, but like I'm willing might be the wrong word, but like I'm, I'm, I wouldn't be heartbroken to see Smithrow move on. I think we need, we, he's a player that you can capitalize on the money, get a, a decent amount of money sell- selling them on and trying to improve those positions. Cause it's a, you know, it's a, it's a game you play too of like short, short term versus long term goals and the, uh, the money that you make, whether you're using these players for now or developing the players and when is the right time to sell them. That's, you know, why Edu makes his big bucks is really kind of weighing these things and we have a window right now we have several of these players that are just on the cusp of being at their prime and we really need to capitalize on the window you know it's something that tottenham didn't do tottenham didn't get a trophy out of the best years of some of these players and it's something that we have to do and to do that you have to provide support for some of these you know uh, generational is the wrong word, but like talents in the, the, the five windows before we have to kind of reboot. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and it, it is a tough situation because we are no longer that development team or can't really mm-hmm. afford to be. Uh, so you're, the quality of player that you bring in has to go up. Like you can't you can't afford to bring in a player necessarily that's um, right. I mean, you you can if you're willing to loan out players and and you you're able to make that system work. But as far as developing within the first team. It's going to be tough. You you really got to work your way in and, and make most of your opportunities. But uh, the path that Martinelli and Saka took is not going to be as easy for the next group of young players. Exactly. And uh, that's how these kind of cycles work. And then hopefully you can get into a position where your your city in which you have these large groups of talents and then you are bringing in peace mentally these and being very picky about the 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 youth you bring in and can kind of do it in parallel because what Arsenal did was really just kind of jettison all the top end, develop these players, and we have a good squad. But it's going to be the the next tax task to really bring in some players to maximize this current generation while at the same time leaving space for uh, some more development. But I think that's the problem with Smith Rowe is he's in that like middle area, you know, Mm -hmm. he's not a youth talent that we're going to be developing anymore. And he's not, I don't, I could be proven wrong, but I don't think he's at the quality right now of the rest of the team or where the rest of the team needs to be. So he's kind of in no man's land. Mm -hmm. And in, you got like a Fabio Vieira who's in that same kind of area where he's, not quite ready to be on the first team full time. He may be able to contribute, but hasn't quite proven himself yet. But you never know where these players are going to be come the beginning of next season. But I, I would say, you know, with Vera, he's brand new, so he's got time to prove himself. But uh, with Smith Rowe, he's, he's got to take more advantage of the opportunities he's given because he can't. Um, he won't be here forever. I, I do think he is a great depth piece because we don't have to spend any money. But um, if the right right offer came in, we'd have to take a serious consideration there. Yeah, and you know, we we we've spent a lot of this episode talking about bringing players in, but I think at this point we do have to be selling some players to 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 bring in new players and generating this money. And you're looking. Smithrow is a prime example. Party is a prime example. Jaka, as you brought up early, these are are ways that we can at least supplement the war chest. I mean, it doesn't have to one hundred percent fund, but we just can't do a Chelsea. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't have the resources just to spend half a billion dollars on players without letting some go. Right. Well, I think that that covers that question for this week. Um, Let's hope that we are um, ready to go for Brighton this weekend. Uh, they they can prove to be a challenge as well. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it'll be an interesting game. Brighton has had a great season. They, uh, they have some uh, players that are uh, really dangerous. I mean, I think we took one of their best players away. So in, in, in a way, that's great with uh, Trissard. But uh, mm-hmm. Matoma, he was... Even in their uh, their last game where they lost, what was it, 6-1? 5-1? Where they got smashed by Everton. Uh, six, uh, let's see. 
Or is that Everton game? I think it was six one. It was a lot to one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but even even in that game, I actually watched that game and Matoma looked, you know, good and dangerous. Uh they're a good and dangerous team. We're gonna have to be on our toes. Uh there's there but you know, we need to be keeping this pressure on. We like you know, it's out of our hands now, but you know, it I think we'd be really kicking ourselves in the the backside if uh City does end up dropping some points and we didn't maximize our points. It's a right. It's a we have a window now to push it to the end, make it the last day of the season. That'd be, you know, a ton of fun and absolutely frightening <laughs> with that <laughs> much pressure. But that's what we where we want to be. So yeah. I mean, it's it's another must win. All these games are now must wins. Uh, it's not going to be an easy game. Uh, it's our last, I think, real challenge for the season. The other two games should be a lot easier going forward. Yeah, I'll be curious to see what happens with City over the weekend. They have they have they have a game with Everton smashed between these two Champions League legs with Madrid, and um, it is interesting to have uh an everton that's on the ropes Mm -hmm. so maybe maybe this is uh maybe this is everton's time to shine and and get themselves out of the uh relegation zone you know everton being city would really make up for their the the everton loss we took this season and Uh you know they're you know again in that game six one i watched they 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 looked pretty darn good. They have, you know, when I was watching that game and I realized that like Everton does have weapons. It's not like Everton is not as bad as their, uh, their standing show. Mm-hmm. And if they're really putting it together and really trying to fight out of this relegation and, you know, city's shown a few wobbles in the, in the league, they've, you know, clawed their way out as a, a champion that should be doing, but uh, you know they're they're de- they're especially with the result in the Champions League game where their eyes are really going to be fixed on that uh, Madrid game. It's not going to be an easy game for them, and I think their priority really is going to be on Champions League this year as opposed to the league. That you, you could see a little bit of a slip up, but we have to do our part. That's the uh, the only thing we can do at this point is just win. Yeah, if we can win out, the the odds go further into our favor but that that's really it's all we can do at this point is just hope that we can win the last couple games here and, and put the pressure on yep. all right well i think that's it for us this week let's wrap things up here um <clears throat> thank you for listening to this week's episode if you have not received if you haven't reviewed or subscribed <laughs> uh go ahead and do so at wherever you're picking up the podcast uh, join us on Twitter. We are at W of N London. Join us while we're, we're still there. Um, email us at westofnorthlondon at gmail.com. Join us on our Discord. We, you can you can find a link to that in our show notes. The theme song is from Bobcat. Go check out their website. It's bobc.at. And that is all for us this week. So as always, see you at the next gun show.